These questions are unconstitutional. They are outrageous. And they are just the latest chapter in the most incredible anti-presidential effort in the history of our country. He, he really has a deep animosity to the press. Clearly a leak by the special counsel's office. You read these questions and you say to yourself, there is simply no way the president can sit down with Robert Mueller. These, these New York Times has. questions, you could use it to burn in your fireplace tonight. Hello and welcome to Trumpcast. I'm Virginia Heffernan. So last night, the reporter Michael Schmidt had a story in the New York Times called Mueller Has Dozens of Inquiries for Trump on Broad Quest in Russia Ties and Obstruction. It included what the Times assured us was the special counsel's proposed questions for Donald Trump in the Russia probe as filtered through the defense team's, that's Trump's defense team's, notes on those questions. I'm proud to say that an alternate name for Trumpcast might just be Mueller has dozens of inquiries for Trump in broadcast on Russia ties and obstruction. The creator of this show, my esteemed colleague Jacob Weisberg, started asking questions about whether Trump were a puppet of Putin in July 2016, right after the Russian hack of the Democratic National Committee. Well before anyone was talking about this, Ann Applebaum, who has reported extensively on Russian dirty tricks abroad, came on Trumpcast and proposed that Trump was the Kremlin's Manchurian candidate. It's the Manchurian candidate. Everybody knows it, and nobody's reacting. One of Applebaum's points on that show from July 2016, nearly two years ago, was about the similarities between Russia's manipulation of the media in Eastern Europe and Russia's manipulation of the American media, right when the DNC hack and leak had just happened. Here's Anne Applebaum 22 months ago. But I hadn't thought through the idea that, of course, through hacking, which is something they're, you know, very famously very good at, that they could try and disrupt a campaign. And, of course, the pattern of this, again, is something that we've seen before. You know, there's a big leak. It's right on an important political moment. It affects the way people think about the campaign. And, of course, instead of focusing on who did the leak and whose interest it's in, everybody focuses on the details, what's in the emails, you know, what did so-and-so write to so-and-so on December 27th. And that's all that gets reported. Um, So today we are going to talk about who a leak is serving. The leak in those days was the DNC hack. But today the leak is that of the special counsel's questions for Donald Trump. Who did that leak come from? Who does it serve? What's its purpose? And of course, we're going to talk about Mueller's questions themselves. I'll get into all this with my guest today, Eric Columbus. Eric is a former lawyer at the Department of Homeland Security and the Justice Department under Barack Obama. But first, the tweets. The fake news is going crazy, making up false stories and using only unnamed sources who don't exist. They are totally unhinged, and the great success of this administration is making them do and say things that even they can't believe they're saying. Truly bad people. The White House is running very smoothly, despite phony witch hunts, etc., There is great energy and unending stamina, both necessary to get things done. We are accomplishing the unthinkable and setting positive records while doing so. Fake news 
is going bonkers. So disgraceful that the questions concerning the Russian witch hunt were leaked to the media. No questions on collusion. Oh, I see. You have a made-up phony crime collusion that never existed and an investigation begun with illegally leaked classified information. Nice. It would seem very hard to obstruct justice for a crime that never happened. Witch hunt. Joining me on the line is Eric Columbus, who is an official in the Department of Homeland Security and the Justice Department under Barack Obama. Welcome, Eric. Thanks, Virginia. Delighted to be here. So we had a big, um, I guess it's fair to call it a shock last night when the New York Times came out with an article by Michael Schmidt that confidently said it had the questions that Robert Mueller's team proposed to ask Donald Trump and also gave some context and framework for those questions. I want to get to your opinion of the questions themselves, but first, I think you zeroed in on something that really interested me, which is, where did this leak come from? Because it's an interesting leak. On the one hand, it seems like a, you know, kind of desperate propaganda play to play the media, maybe to discredit Mueller, maybe to, you know, do something else that the Trump team's known for. But it also, the leaker had to be credible enough to the New York Times that they would go on record without any reservation and say, not just these are the notes for the, you know, the notes that the defense team took on the questions, but really go so far as to say these are the questions that Mueller intended to ask. Uh, that's right, and uh, which suggests that the leaker is someone who is very close to the, Trump's legal team or possibly a former member of Trump's legal team. Uh, in the latter category, you've got John Dowd, who, uh, as as is actually discussed in that Times main article, was uh, a lawyer for Trump until he left the team a month or so ago and was uh, arguing strongly that Trump should not participate in an interview with with Mueller. And one possible reason for Dad to leak this is to, in the weird way in which uh, things work, is to try to convince Trump via Fox, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, via Sean Hannity and, and Jeanine Pirro, that it would not be in his interest to, to talk to Mueller. We've had Ross Garber, who's an impeachment lawyer, on this show before, and he says the prime prime directive of any impeachment lawyer, meaning it's, you know, on the wall of his office every single day, is don't let your client testify. He says politicians always want to testify because they think they're so persuasive and charismatic. And you know how much Robert Mueller types respond to charisma of the Trump variety, Eric. I'm sure you I'm sure you concur that that would be overwhelming to Trump's <laughs> prosecutor to Mueller's prosecutors. <laughs> but um so that's one reason they want to testify. And the other reason the reason to keep them from testifying, to hold them back, is that they lie. They all lie. And he's not even talking about Trump. He's talking about some governors whose impeachment defenses he's worked on. So that goes to this could have served Dowd's ends 
of keeping his former client from testifying by showing that the questions were so hard, you know, like showing a kid the SAT in advance by saying you could never nail this. But why would a former lawyer of Trump's care anymore and take this risk? Well, it it it, it could be uh, in conjunction with his current team. Mm. They might have... Uh, decided if Dowd is the one who leaks it, then the Schmidt could state accurately that the leak does not come from someone who is a member of, of Trump's legal team. Uh, because I think if you parse that the Times' wording, uh, it, it allows for the possibility that a former member of Trump's legal team might have provided uh, the information. So I'm sure even within his current legal team, there are there is uh, a, a diversity of views or, or even a uniformity of views uh, that their client does not share. Would Dowd's word alone be enough to certify these as the notes that were actually taken by the by the defense team of which he was a member at the time they were taken? Would that uh, have been enough to pass the credibility threshold for the for Michael Schmidt? Do you think? I I, I can't speak with any. <laughs> Great accuracy about what what Mike Schmidt would find uh, past his smell test, but if 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 Dowd has been straight with him for the past and has provided him with information before uh, Dowd or whoever the, the the leaker is, then I, I I think he might find that that's sufficient. Uh, there's nothing in the questions themselves that is like weird in any way. But as you point out, the smell it has to pass much more than the smell test here. This isn't like he's been given quotes before from Dowd, and so now he can take take as absolutely credible Dowd's account of what Mueller intends to do or notes about that thing. I mean, don't you think, and maybe this is just a question to you as a journalist or a question I can think about as a journalist, don't you think he would need like a recording of the phone call or even Mueller's team to at least not disapprove of the decision to publish? Mueller's team, uh, I think the article said that Mueller's team declined to comment. It is possible that he might have gotten some type of smoke signal from Mueller's team that connoted a, a... they may have declined to wave him off of the story in, in a way that gave him some indication that it was right. That, I mean, it would seem to, it's just, there's nothing in here that says, you know, it's not at all like when BuzzFeed introduced all kinds of framework and disclaimers around the the, the Steele dossier. And then the time, they seem to have the same kind of certainty about these questions as they had about the DNC hacks, which is like, the fact of the document itself, whatever, however sketchy the leakers, is not in doubt. And uh, that really interests me because so many people think this is like a very kooky media play by some of the most, the carnies in the equation, including Piro or DeGeneva. And it seems like it has to be slightly more rational than that to me. I don't think it's necessarily irrational for them, for Trump's team to be to be doing this kind of uh, kind of bank shot to try to get to Trump via Fox. I mean that that right. uh, we've seen and we see over and over again that this is in fact a, a smart way to get to him. Um, so, and of course, another thing worth noting is that Mueller clearly knew when he handed these questions to Trump's team that they could wind up on in the New York Times or anywhere. So why would the publication of the questions if Trump thinks he's innocent or the people, the weirder voices around him keep telling him he's got nothing to hide, he could speak to Mueller. Why would the questions 
persuade him otherwise or make it clear to him or his lesser angels or the, you know, the darker voices in his head? Why would the questions finally bring them around to you'd really be doing yourself a disservice if you justify Yeah. Well, I, I think it's likely that Trump has already seen the questions himself. So it's not necessarily the fact that he would be seeing them in the newspaper that would uh, move the needle. It would be that the the voices of his lawyers would be amplified by people whom he respects. And uh, sadly, that means uh, people like Sean Hannity. Fox and, Friends, uh, right. and then you've got kind of a broader amplification effect among among the right, among uh, conservatives in the, in the, in the House. Uh, and you get kind of more of a groundswell uh, encouraging him uh, not to do something like this. So that, that's you know just a theory, obviously, but I think it's a plausible one. So the other thing, before I contemplated what you said to me in DMs about the authority of the document, I was slotting it in with other uh, leaked or amplified documents like the page, the Carter Page FISA warrant or the Stroke Strock Page texts that were used by the Nunez and Nunez and other GOP people to discredit the Mueller probe. I thought that maybe it would be spun, and there seems to be a little evidence of this already, maybe the Mueller questions would be spun to show there's no collusion or there's overreach in the investigation or uh, there's bias, otherwise to occasion yet another memo from the Nunez types about how Mueller is bullshit. And they might. I'm sure they will try to do that. And certainly Trump today, is he, he claimed falsely that there were no questions about collusion. Uh, I don't think this document really is, is the, the what you would want to be leading with if that <laughs> was the case you're trying to make. That this, this is all a witch hunt because there's, there's a lot of really specific stuff in there, both on the collusion side and the obstruction side. It could it could be that Hannity is going to say either this proves it's a nothing burger or this proves it's biased, the investigation. Yeah. And, and Dowd and, and Cobb are going to be able to say, look at this, this is pretty formidable or imply this is pretty formidable to Fox and Friends who will then tell Trump, yeah, zip it, buddy. Yeah, and those, those are two different... It, it, those are pointing two different directions, saying it's a it's a nothing burger and saying it's a uh, it's biased. Uh, because if it's nothing burger, then you, you you might be talking Trump into testifying if you think mm. he's got nothing to fear. Right. But if you the opposite approach, saying look, Mueller is going down this crazy path, or he's got all these dark insinuating questions, and you don't want to go anywhere near that, uh, is probably what the, the the leakers are trying to spur folks like Kennedy to say, in my guess. Well, let's get to the questions themselves and then maybe come back to some of the loopier theories about where it came from, where the leak came from. So the questions themselves, what do you think? There are no great surprises in there. Uh, I mean, the one, there are basically four categories of of questions. There are, within the, the broader realm of obstruction, there are three types of uh, categories of questions. There are questions about the Flynn firing Sorry, the question is about, about Flynn in general and ways in which Trump interacted with Flynn and tried to protect Flynn. Uh, there are, of course, tons of questions about the Comey firing and then questions about Jeff Sessions and ways in which Trump tried to manipulate him and tried to kind of enlist him uh, to obstruct the investigation. Then on the collusion side, 
there are kind of a, a, a set of questions that you would expect. One question that is that has raised the most eyebrows is a question about Paul Manafort and uh, whether Trump knew anything about uh, Manafort being involved in in any um, assistance from Russia. And that this and, and the question and keep in mind that these 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 questions are the Trump team's transcription and, and not word for word transcription of what Mueller said. One of the questions is, um, what knowledge did you have of any outreach by your campaign, including by Paul Manafort, to Russia about potential assistance to the campaign? And you know, that's fairly uh, dramatic. I, a bunch of people have said they think the questions are pretty basic and nothing was, none of them were unexpected, except maybe that one. I was, uh, I've actually been impressed by how comprehensive they are, just about every road to conspiracy to defraud the United States, as as Robert Mueller put it in one of his indictments, just about every road to that conspiracy is investigated or suggested in these questions, you know, from computer crimes and uh, to the Logan Act violation, potential Logan Act violation by Mike Flynn. And that one about Manafort makes me think that they've they're even thinking of this very far-fetched and kind of gothic connection between Manafort, Deripaska, and a Kremlin official that we got a little bit of wind of from a strange figure called Nastia Ribka, girlfriend to Deripaska. Do you think that that's what he's talking about, or have you heard about? It's it? certainly possible. I mean, and even if if his if that that his Deripaska's girlfriend, who is if at last check was in a in, in a Thai uh, yeah. prison in Thailand, even if she's making stuff up, we 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 do know. Very much that Manafort, the the article which I'm sure you read by Frank Ford, yes. the Atlantic, about how Manafort was in debt to Deripaska for mm-hmm. approximately a hundred million dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Manafort had every incentive to be communicating with with the Russians. Uh, we also it's also been reported that Manafort offered to give Deripaska briefings about the campaign. Mm-hmm. And so there 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 certainly are a million ways in which good point. Uh, we don't need Rivka. We don't need our yeah in, in, in which. There were incentives on both sides to to collaborate. Yeah, what do you make of this um, the sort of Logan Act implication in the question? What did you know about this question to Trump? What did you know about phone calls that Mr. Flynn made with the Russian ambassador Sergei Kislyak in late December 2016? So these, of course, this is of course the call that Flynn placed during the transition. Various calls um, while Obama was still the president. Um, your former boss, and when Flynn was still, I think, counted as a private citizen. Yes, and it, it's it's not clear what uh, to make of that because it, it, it does seem unlikely that there ever would have been a, a Logan Act prosecution of Flynn for his contacts with with Kislyak after the election. Uh, uh, frankly, leaving the law aside as a policy matter, I, I, I don't think it's really that bad for Flynn to be talking to hmm. to the Russians, since they were. This was something they were talking about the policy of the incoming administration. Uh, now, you know, maybe if I thought about that a little bit more, I would I would <laughs> say that at the very least that Flynn should be communicating with the Obama administration about what he's telling the Russians, so that everyone's on the same page. And he probably was not doing that. Well, he was uh, telling he was telling uh, Kislyak to keep cool 
on 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 Obama's sanctions because help was on the way. In other words, potentially subverting the policy of the president of the United States. Yeah. The, the thing that's head-scratching is that why is that a message that would need to have been communicated covertly, uh, given that uh, Trump, I think, tweeted something about how Putin should not overreact himself. And mm. Trump certainly could have said something himself that, you know, I, I, I think it would be a bad idea if Obama were to... Uh, Impose sanctions, and everyone knew obviously that if it's something happening, it anything Obama does in late December 2016 can be overturned come January 2017. So Maybe, a lot of this is well, a little then, strange. Like if, if we're assuming it, some of this kind of cuts against the theory that like you know Trump and 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 Putin or or uh, high up folks on both sides were like buddy buddy the whole time. Because if that were the case, then there w- they wouldn't even need to have these kind of like back-channel um, communications to, to convey these positions, which would have been obvious I like that. It, I like that Flynn's conversations with Kislyak might be exculpatory. <laughs> well, it's weird, but I mean, there's some, there's some indication here that a lot of these, these weird things indicate, at the very least, that there was not, you know, complete uh, hand-in-glove uh, coordination between Trump and Russia, and that both sides did not fully trust each other. Now, this is not, you know, exculpatory in, in a broader sense. There may have been numerous connections uh, that added up to uh, something damning, but it, it, I don't think it was like, you know, okay, guys, this is our strategy from day one, and we're going to execute this together, you and me, you know, Vlad and, and, and Don. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe, you, maybe you're right that the Logan Act violation, if there was one, is a red herring. But this could, the conversation between Kislyak and Flynn, go to conspiracy because this is soon after, it's in the transition, soon after the election. It could be that Kislyak was saying pay up. What are you going to give us on sanctions? We, we won this for, you know, we gave this to you. It's, yes, it's possible. We do, exactly. We don't know what, uh, we don't know what fully what was discussed on the call and, and Mueller may know that already. Um, any other questions that, that struck you? Is it a, a, the WikiLeaks question or question about Kushner and pa- or Papadopoulos, um, Eric Prince? Uh, yeah, and these are logical questions. I mean, I think most of the questions are questions that, that, that you or I, if we were you know, told to spend the weekend coming up with a list of questions uh, that Mueller would ask Trump, we would, we would come up with a set that looked a lot like this. Now, to the extent that there are questions that, to the extent that there are topics that Mueller does not want to tip off Trump about, mm-hmm. uh, they, they won't be in this list. Uh, to the extent that there that he has things coming down the pike against uh, against Manafort, against uh, maybe against Kushner, who is mentioned in some of these questions, mm-hmm. but against other people, there are concerns that Trump might might somehow try to interfere. Uh, is, Mueller is probably not going to uh, put those questions to Trump, especially since there 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 probably is not a whole lot of benefit. To, to asking some of them. Uh, one omission here is anything about, about money laundering. And now, mm. of course, it could be that Mueller is just not looking at it, um, or maybe mm. he's looking at it only with regard to Kushner. Uh, or the other, the, the flip of that is 
that maybe he is looking at it, but he has the goods already, and there's no point in asking about it because nothing that Trump would say would be would be relevant uh, to to uh, either to the facts of what happened or to irrelevant intent under the law. Maybe SDNY he considers that SDNY's bailiwick. It's possible, and it, it really is remarkable at this point about how long this has gone on and how much we don't know about. Uh, what Mueller has. It's 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 quite impressive uh, on his part. You know, I will say, though, from these, <laughs> to push back on that very gently, I will say from these questions, I was actually surprised at how much Mueller references the reporting and even and Trump's tweets and things that are public. Well, yes, I mean, yes, but we don't know. But I, I guess the question is, is, is this kind of, are these questions in some sense, uh, well, the tip of the iceberg is yeah. too much, but is yes. this, is this the totality of the issues that are involved that Mueller is looking at, or is this just a subset? Yeah. Okay. Um, second to last question. Do you see uh, many times people have raised the possibility that the Mueller interrogation of Trump would be nothing but a perjury ta- trap? Do you see signs of perjury traps being set here? I don't know what the hallmarks of tr- those traps are, but you can enlighten <laughs> me. I, I, I don't think perjury trap is is the is really the uh, the issue here at all. Because if you think about it, what incentive does Mueller have to trick Trump into lying? Mm. I mean, he's not trying to get Trump to flip on anyone. <laughs> uh, and he's not, he won't be prosecuting a, a sitting president. Um, so, sure, you know, saying Trump lied to Mueller, I mean, that might boost impeachment chances, but uh, Mueller doesn't have a dog in that fight. Right. I mean, he, he certainly wants the Ameri- I believe he wants the American people to have a full appreciation of the facts that could lead them to make their own conclusions and make the Congress make their own conclusions. But Mueller And he not, certainly wants the Justice you know, Department to know the truth. Um, yeah, but yeah. Mueller's not trying to kind of like trick Trump into, into getting impeached. Makes sense. I mean, if he had, he could have gotten a baseline by asking him about the inauguration crowd. Um, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, um, and I mean, if anything, like Trump's constant lying, it, it, it makes it harder for Mueller because it, it it reduces the value of the information that he could get from an interview. Very, yeah, very wise. I've heard people say that Carter Page is a particularly he's a thorny witness because he's so cognitively impaired and erratic that he that he, <laughs> it doesn't you don't want a witness that lies all the time or lies nine out of ten times because. It makes it's crazy making unless he's a yes exactly yeah even like a smaller fish you're trying to, to you know use on the big fish if the, if the guy lies all the time then that's is he's of limited value yes yes okay so my last question just let your imagination go wild and tell me where you think the leak might what what's a what's your um What's your far as you were lying in bed last night? Because I know you were wondering about this. Um, <laughs> what uh, what did you entertain any far fetched theories about where the leak came from? I, well, there was one theory that could have been from someone on, on Mueller's team. Although Michael Schmidt apparently last night said that that it did not. Uh, I, I think someone like Michael Cohen was probably kept extremely uh, far away from this stuff. I don't think anyone has has let him. Uh, near uh, this information. I mean, look, Trump, as we know, calls up the phone and talks to any lawyer who uh, who will listen to him. And Trump might have sent the questions to someone and say, "Hey, what do you think?" And that mm-hmm. person might have said, "Good God, what do you what do you what are you possibly thinking?" And then might have 
sent it off to the Times. Uh, maybe maybe he said, "We both have tiger blood, man." I'm gonna take I'm gonna take this on my or inter- tiger blood. What was, was Kanye or, or, or dragon energy? Tiger right? dragon energy, the, dragon energy. Yeah, exactly. we've gone from Charlie Sheen to Kanye. Uh, yeah, you're right. Um, they have similar types. Are you getting in an elevator? No, no, I, I'm I'm uh, the. the the mailman just delivered the package. Okay, good. Yeah. That adds to the sound mix. Um, yeah. <laughs> thanks, thanks again so much for being here, Eric. Sure, of course. That's it for today's show. Trumpcast is produced by Jason DeLeon. And hey, we've got a live show coming up. It's May 30th at 7.30 p.m. at the Groovy Bell House in Brooklyn. Get VIP tickets to schmooze with Jamel. Also, he's always mobbed. And, you know, in passing, say hi to Jacob and me, too. That's in advance of the show at 6 p.m. You can get that VIP pass and tickets to the show at slate.com slash live. I'm Virginia Heffernan. Thanks for listening to Trumpcast.